Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I am joined by Chris. Hiya. And Stu. Buongiorno. Oh, fancy. (laughs) Someone's been learning a foreign language in the summer break. Neither of you like neither of you like were able to respond very quickly to that. I just flummoxed you both with one word then. <laughs> I mean, currently I'm learning German, German, so for me it'd be guten Abend. Guten, guten, ta- oh, guten, guten Tag is good day, isn't it? And guten yeah, Abend good is good evening. Guten Abend is good evening. Guten Abend afternoon. Yeah. Oh, oh, right, okay. Great. Welcome to the uh, Languages podcast with... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Duolingo with us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, the no sponsorship takeover. is involved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. This is the ad placement prime opportunity. You can tell it's a summer break, can't you? That we've already devolved into this nonsense. Yeah, literally nothing's happening. Yeah, nothing is happening. Um, I mean, there's a very, very, very tiny bit of news which really just semi-enforces a rumour that was already going round, and that's the fact that Porsche have now apparently submitted a trademark against the term F1 Nally, or <laughs> finally, if you read the one as an I. Um which, I mean, to most people is suggesting they have some kind of intent to join the sport, which has already been rumoured about them yeah. taking over the Red Bull engine supply and teaming up with Red Bull and so on. So it is bolstering those rumours at this point. Do you, think, do you think it's the same people who registered Ready for Rishi when uh, <laughs> like months and months and months before a leadership campaign? <laughs> yeah. I've seen so much stuff about like, oh, they're going to use it here, they're going to use it there, it's going to be part of the powertrains. Like, no, it's clearly just there for some marketing yeah. for yeah. the announcement. Like, yeah, there's, there's no way if, they're going to use it for anything other than that. Wow, the news really yeah. is slow, isn't it? If people are just <laughs> oh, spreading yeah. wild, wild conjecture like that, Basically. I can't wait for that to have nothing to do with the engine yeah. and all these people just be talking nonsense as usual. <laughs> My favorite bit of all this was the designed by committee that our discord was doing this afternoon of sticking this f1 nally logo on um <laughs> on the red bull wherever they possibly could and changing the colors of it i mean i can't, yeah, I can't like remember a... who was involved sorry to the specific people involved but it just made me chuckle while i was like reading through it this afternoon <laughs> is there like a design to go with this trademark nope. or is it just just there's a just characters on a keyboard there's a german trademark um web page document yeah, that's it. A digital document. We should, we should send it to Tom. Tom can translate it for us. He's <laughs> in English. I don't need to. He's in English. Oh, perfect. <laughs> well, to your eyes, maybe. But not to <laughs> yeah, maybe he's in German. <laughs> and dual English is so good. I can read it and it looks like English to me. Again, <laughs> not sponsored by Duolingo. <laughs> but if you're interested, Duolingo, you know where we are. Hello at backofthegrid.com. Thanks. <laughs> sponsorship opportunities are available oh dear (laughs) yeah the only thing that I've seen was um, I think it was like just a a news like a Twitter news account wasn't it and they'd use the F1 font and the F1 logo yeah but it was clear I don't know if that was them or if they'd found that somewhere but it looked like it's just they've used the F1 font to make it say F1 Nelly Every time I read it, that's all I can read. I know it's supposed to like, ooh, that looks like finally, but because the F1 has been coloured and then the Nally has been left white in everything I've seen, 
it just says F1 Nally. At first, it looked like it said F1 Rally when I first saw it, and I was like, what? Honestly, people yeah. have got too much time on their hands. Do these people not have jobs? <laughs> Why are people go, fake who's got time shopping. to design, yeah, make a fake F1 logo? Why are people doing that? Def 100% more committed to the cause than us, Stu. I think that's Obviously, the yeah. I mean, maybe they should play. Yes, literally. Like, <laughs> I'm sat here making a podcast on my own time about Formula One. And I'm saying <laughs> people have too, too much time on their hands. Yeah, but literally, the last time we went out of our way to make an image and reaction to a breaking news story must have been about four years ago. It was probably <laughs> when <laughs> F1 changed their logo. Yeah, probably was. Probably. When we made our, can you remember when we made our really rubbish logo? God, remember that the... weren't that bad. <laughs> Remember all the hoo-ha about the logo changing, people losing their minds. Yeah. Like, that's it, and, and the dead, I'll never too. watch it again. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking too. about that. I was thinking about that the other day, and I was thinking what of like an obvious, in hindsight, what an obvious sort of like preparatory marketing exercise, like laying the ground for the new logo exercise it was, because there were low, there were like, what, like six or seven, like, preview logos like early yeah, new logos that yeah, yeah. And some of them which, were well, awful who does that? yeah some of them were deliberately they were intentionally like, absolutely awful I rubbish. Think. Yeah. and then there was the one decent one which is the one they've got now um and, and that they used it in okay. the, the rest final of them were... race of the season didn't they, they, they yeah didn't they, they like did. no, they revealed there was like it. They a big it reveal wasn't they in the final race of the season the season before yeah. they moved to it uh, <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> It's it's such a slow news week. We're talking about news from five years ago. Yeah, four years ago. Can we talk ago, about Formula E? That's on that's on brand. <laughs> we were we were we were doing a format from five years ago last week, so it seems appropriate for us to talk about news from five years ago today. I mean, um, let's, yeah, let's talk, talk about let's... an F1 driver from five years ago in Stoffel Van Dorn. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Uh, for those who don't follow Formula E, ex-Formula 1 driver Stoffel van Dorn uh, won the Formula E World Championship this weekend in Seoul. Um, yeah. Finished second in the final race of the year in order to seal it. Um, was I mean, it was run quite close, wasn't it, by, by Mitch Evans? But unfortunately, Mitch had an absolutely torrid time for the second qualifying race. Yeah, he won yeah. the... F- first race which like pushed it to the final day but yeah i think he qualified like 13th last race which was basically his day done and then he clawed his way back up to sixth or seventh i think but yeah Um, Yeah. i think van dorn only needed a top seven to seal the title in the end um yeah interestingly only one race win all season for van dorn compared to evans and mortara both got four wins apiece but if you look back at the results like Van Dorn was just far and away the most consistent driver over the season, yeah. which that's so key. And in Formula E, that is so especially so more yeah. than more than any other formula, I would say, or any other like form of mm. motorsport. You need points every single week if you can yeah. win a championship, Absolutely. and that's why you know that's why that's why Bird lost out. Sort of has lost out a few times. So exactly ultimately yeah. why Mitch Evans has lost out. It's just too many pointless weekends, really. Yeah, I mean, and Stoffel's had the exact opposite. He was at, Stoffel was only out of the points in one race all season. Yeah, wow. Yeah, it was Mexico first race. Was there only one race in Mexico? No, it was a two double header in Mexico. Ah, oh no, it wasn't. Sorry, it was a double header in Diria, then a one, then one in Mexico, and that was yeah. the one who was out of the points. But I think that's partially testament to the new qualifying format, isn't it? Like you just haven't yeah. had that 
lottery this season. Like the new qualifying format has meant the good drivers in the good cars have generally been towards the front of the grid. So you've not got yeah. this weird seesawing that we've had in previous years. Yeah, they've been able to build their season in a in a yeah. in a traditional way that you would expect the driver to be able to do across a championship across a year. So I think it's I think the new qualifying. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about whether we what what we think the successes have been for um f uh, formula e this year and what where where have the maybe where have any failures been since it's the end of the season and and we can have a quick sort of like recap i mean the the, the qualifying and the way it's sort of gone into races is definitely been a huge win for them like you know with no disrespect to previous champions i think you can very easily say one of if not the best driver across the season won the championship this year and there's been seasons gone by in formula e where that's not as much of a sure thing like last season we had yeah what five different drivers could potentially run the title at the end and i feel like that was yeah. mostly due to the qualifying format means you're constantly if you do well it was like success ballast wasn't it like if you yeah. did well you were almost certainly going to be qualifying at the back so yeah, like it's it's definitely just it's just made it a, a easier series to follow. I, mean, I remember at the end of last season, Stu, you saying it's near impossible to know who is the best driver and who has got the best yeah. car in Formula because it's so topsy turvy. Whereas this year, the answer to those questions is just there in front of you, week in week out, which has been really good. Yeah, yeah, it, it, and it's been nice to be able to follow like the 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 path of you know of the the drivers that are doing well like mitch evans as well like it's been cool to see his yes he's he's had a bit of an up and down season really with his you know it's kind of been um a lot of he's had some really good really really good weekends and he's had some absolute shockers as well and watching that so watching him deal with that while still trying to build a championship i think has been quite exciting i think where maybe where formula e has failed this season it's probably been some of the elbows out argy bargy has been a little bit much, I think. Yeah. Still. So I do wonder it's how always the same, tough, isn't it, in that though? Yeah. I wonder how tough the protractors are going to be for the Gen 3 car. Mm. Yeah. They, I mean, they're going to be smaller cars, which is going to help, but yeah. I'm hoping they make them a bit more fragile in a way. Like, obviously, it's still safe, yeah. but like. I think the some of the kind of moves you see in Formula E need to be punished a bit more. So I'm hoping yeah. that's one thing they fix. Yeah, I think like obviously you don't want to see parts coming off cars, especially at city circuits, like the kind of circuits they race at. Because if you if they're too, if they need to be robust, because if you've got bits coming off and flying everywhere, then yeah, that puts the the spectators in a bit of a in a bit of a perilous mm. sort of place, and it makes it a, it's also a, difficult, a more, risky more difficult event to clear, to. isn't it? Yeah. as well and like that, if, if something like that does happen it's more diff- it's like an almost guaranteed full course yellow or safety car or something because it's going to be difficult for marshals to be able to clear that which we, we've seen before yeah. in formula e is them having yeah. to go to slightly more extremes to clear like what is essentially just a bit of rear wing or front wing or something that would have been a That's lot easier wheel arches. a more open circuit oh yeah, yeah oh, those those crazy wheel arches <laughs> yeah but but conversely you know like the, the, I, I would say another success that's that's come out of that has probably been the added time thing that they've done as well yeah because yeah. they've got the actual you know adding the laps on at the end to to make up for yeah. it to keep to make it so that drivers still have to drive the same kind of race and they can't just go absolutely hell for leather because it is a, a series about 
about conservation and about yeah. about you know trying to conserve your 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 power it shouldn't be that you can just suddenly have a safety car save loads of power and then everyone just absolutely sends it for the yeah. entire thing it has to be that's a, that's a really important element of driving any electric car i think and it should, and it sends a message out to the audience out there that you shouldn't just like thrash your car and you shouldn't just go really really quick all the time as fast as your car will go you should drive conservatively and you should drive on a, on a regular street you should be very careful to use as little fuel as possible especially if oil prices as high as they are <laughs> Um, which is weird because like all motorsport is in many ways about that like ultimately you want to start the race with as little fuel on board as you yeah can and obviously electricity doesn't weigh anything so it's just not quite the same in formula e but like Mm. it's still a a, a, it's still a factor in all racing and it's good that it is a factor in formula e and yeah i think just the added time thing the added laps is such a it's just a much cleaner way of dealing with that like when we've had all this reductions in energy in previous years and it's just been a bit of a mess like it's a really clean solution i think, I think I've done and it helps there. also helps the drivers that are good at that skill which formula e is about yeah. being good at that skill it means that yeah. if there's a safety car they're no longer just penalized like for being good at that skill and like like exactly, yes yeah. all, always safety cars level playing fields somewhat across you know across any formula but I think definitely with Formula E, it definitely leveled it a bit more than others for that reason because it meant mm-hmm. that everyone was yeah. suddenly like pushing absolute maximum attack. And yeah, I just I think it's a different sport. I don't think it's necessarily always about maximum attack Formula E. But then these new cars, I don't know, it might be different because you have got a lot more power generation, you got a bit more energy storage, yeah, um, a lot more energy storage actually because you can regen much more Loads readily more from, regen, the, from yeah. axles. Yeah, so it, yeah. these are going to be faster cars. They're going to be visibly faster next season as well. So that's very, mm. very exciting. It's, but and we should it's really crazy talk as about- well compared to where we started as well. Just to point out, like yeah, you've got to remember yeah. that first couple of seasons you couldn't do a full race distance with a single car. Yeah, and now yeah. we're at a point yeah. where not only are they doing that like fairly comfortably, but they're also like something like what is it like thirty or forty percent faster? Like they're notably yeah, faster easily. than they already were. Yeah. in early days of the sport so we've already made quite a lot of progression so i'm I'm quite excited to see the cars next year and how yeah, they're the existing circuits it won't be long before they're four-wheel yeah. drive either if they've got if they've got regen on the front axles it's they're only one mm, step yeah. away from providing power from those axles so yeah it's it's very very exciting time to um be watching formula e yeah it's very cool yeah so um, we we're talking about the champion <laughs> <laughs> yeah we should probably talk about stuff good old stuff yeah. um i mean I'll, I'm like th- thrilled to see him finally win a title like you know I, i'm not sure a lot of people know but like he was he was one of those drivers through all the junior categories where it was like a proper standout junior driver like this guy's gonna go places and his timing like he, he entered formula one just in the worst place at the worst time really didn't he like he deserved a much better shot of formula one so yeah it's good to see him like have found a kind of new home and finding success and you know being a world champion like that's super cool to see really happy for him interesting to see what he ends up doing next after formula e so um, he's supposedly he's moving to the DS team next year, which is being like take semi taken over by Penske, yeah. and he's going to be part of with Jev apparently, but that's still kind of unconfirmed. 
Um, would be quite a partnership, that, I would think. So, yeah. John Eric Verne and Sofa Van Dorn. It's a good partnership in my own. No, Jeb doesn't take many prisoners, so it's going to be an interesting True. one. True. Um, yeah, lots of seats open next year, though. Um, there are a couple announced over the weekend. So, um, Luke Stagrassi, he's only been with Venturi for one season, and now he's moving to Mahindra to be a Longoli yes, Roland. he is. It's an interesting Roland, yeah. move because like, Venturi came pretty close to nicking the team's title um, this weekend. So he's obviously got a lot of faith in Mahindra. Mahindra are an impressive team, like what they achieve yeah. with sort of budget yeah. and stuff. Then Antonio Felix Acosta is moving to Porsche. Um, Andre Lotter is off to do uh, World Endurance Championship again with Porsche. So Acosta's taking his seat. And then Mitch Evans and Sam Bird are staying put at Jaguar. Um, I was going to ask what's happening to Sam Bird because... Um, yeah, I, Jaguar confirmed their drivers a little while ago, actually. While back, was didn't like, they? Um, he was away, though. He broke his hand in... Um, he did. In London. London. He London broke his hand yeah. on the first lap of the second race in London, oh. carried on and finished the race, and then afterwards was like, oh, actually, <laughs> this probably oh. isn't good. Oh, God. Mm. Yeah, adrenaline's a powerful thing. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 one of two that would have made a hundred race starts as well, isn't he? If he'd have made yes, it through this weekend, been. it's the first race he's ever missed. It's him and is it Lucas Degrassi the other one? It is, yeah. They're the like, elder statesmen of Formula E. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, Jev and somebody else are like they're at ninety-seven or ninety-eight or something. It's literally because they've taken a race out to go do like Le Mans or there was like a, a clash yeah. of some kind so to be fair to John Eric Verne like if it weren't for those clashes he'd be on the I guess the same sort of point as them as well Buemi as well but he's pretty close Buemi that's yeah that's the other one that's up there as well isn't it yeah, yeah. so you can tell that the seasons are getting longer for them though because drivers that I sort of think haven't been around in Formula E that long are like in the 40s already I think Nick DeFries is like in the 40s for race starts. Yeah. Which is mad considering that they're. I thought you meant in his 40s. No, not in his 40s, like in the 40s for race starts. Which is mad considering that like the guys that have been there for eight years have done 100. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That was the eighth season, wasn't it? Yeah. So the the eight seasons they've done 100 races and Nick DeFries has done like three seasons and he's in the 40s. Yeah. So. Kind of works out, I guess. Yeah. Hectic. We should probably also mention that Mercedes won the team's title for the second year in a row. Yes, they um, did. Yawn. Oh, Mercedes won <laughs> oh, something. Mercedes. Oh, God, they win everything. Mercedes win everything. Oh, hate Mercedes. <laughs> um, yeah, before they uh, disappear and McLaren take over the team. Still no word on yeah. who's going to be driving for McLaren. Rene Rast, apparently his name's being bandied around. <laughs> yeah, another name to add to the... McLaren contract part. Exactly, yeah. He, he did like a season and a half, I think, a couple of years ago, and he was pretty decent, so it'd be cool to see him back. But wraps on the season. It's been a good one, an entertaining one. I definitely think, I think you were saying this um, in the Discord over the weekend, Tom, like the soul track in particular was just not great. There's been a couple of newer circuits that just haven't really been... I don't know. Yeah, you know what, though, great I circuits for I, I, racing. I'm not worried about that. Like, I, yes, you know, street race circuits are always a little bit iffy anyway. But I think 
one thing Formula E has always been really good at is adapting quick, making changes yeah. where changes are needed. So you know they're not they're much less of a barge than what Formula One is. So if yeah. something needs to change, then the, the leadership's there and the confidence is there to make the change, and they they get it done. Well, so, they did it with the um, London circuit yeah, this year, didn't it. they? Yep. Um, exactly. yeah. after, after the first year at that new XL centre circuit, there was that like horrible yeah. double back-to-back hairpin thing that just caused yeah. chaos. Oh, and also, yeah. apparently everyone finished that race with like on energy really easily. So they were like, we can solve two problems in one there and just completely cut out the hairpins and made it a straight. It was like, we've solved all your problems in one move nice. kind of thing. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I am quite confident they'll fix those things. Yeah, like the, the thing that I was pointing out with the the thing when we were watching it live was more just that it didn't feel like there was any sort of natural overtaking points because it was either really narrow and twisty or sweeping fast corners like through the stadium and the first bit yeah. of the of the street section was all like kind of flat or just a little bit of a lift there wasn't really a, a good break there was like one breaking opportunity and that's where probably every single move got done so as a circuit I wasn't like a yeah. a huge fan but Formula E drivers being Formula E drivers still made it entertaining so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they find ways of they find overtaking spots where they there always are find ways. Spots. And the, the one thing I will say, the scare we we can't mention that race without mentioning the scary, scary accident at true. the start yeah, of race one. True. Like With the wet tires, the Halo saved at least like two lives in mm-hmm. that um in that situation there. Like that was really, really you know, if mm-hmm. that had happened in times before the Halo, that would have been multiple serious incidents there that, yeah. was, that was yeah. really 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 scary so yeah I'm, I'm very pleased the halo did its job there the drivers reckon it was just some of the paint on the on the road as soon as there's a bit of moisture on it just like turned to oil basically and just mm. the first it sounds like the first few drivers cause it was weird because like a few drivers made it around the corner no problem and then it was like the second pack that arrived the crash and basically it was like those first few drivers just didn't happen to touch that bit of paint yeah. And then another couple did, and it just let it. So, so if you think of the speeds, like you're, you're putting as much braking energy as the car will allow, yeah. as the grip will allow. And if yeah. you hit like a, if you hit a, 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 you know, a very very slippery piece that isn't as grippy as the rest of the circuit, exactly. and the wheel locks up, and those conditions are the way they are, you're not getting your grip back. You're not, you know, you can't no cadence break your way out of that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you just you're sliding and there's nothing you can do about it because then you've got to hit twice as hard on the brake to get it slowed down because you've already missed a load of slowing down time. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, it was a it was a messy old um, start. I think, yeah. you know, both races had their, their fair share of... It, it, I think in the second race even, at the, at the very beginning of the second race, there was still like a bit of a traffic jam into that first corner, which was... Like, it's just... There's too yeah. much potential. They, they need... If they're going to have a corner like that, I think... That was almost too high speed a corner for the start of the Formula E race, almost, <laughs> yeah. and, be, and to be that tight. Because as soon as someone runs wide, anyone behind them is they can't. There's no space for them to get by when they run yeah. wide. So they just need to do a little bit of work on this circuit to to make it to make it work a little bit better for a race and for the drivers and and for overtaking especially. So. Yeah, but they will. I'm sure they will. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Shall we do some inbox catch-up? We've got some from last week that we need to go back to and then yeah. some that have come in since. So let's do a, a dip into inbox. Good stuff. Uh, keep me saying now. 
したい歌したいよグッドスタッフナイスバッドワイト I'm doing it.、Uh, ben Rowe, with the end of the Formula E Championship now here and ideas of Nick de Vries joining Williams, I feel like Van Dorn is being unfairly left out in the conversation for a seat. He's this year's champion and has over double de Vries points, so why is he not being considered? He, his use of McLaren weren't even that bad, considering he was Alonso's teammate and the Honda engines. Thanks. Keep up the good work. Also, bear in mind, I am a Stoffel <laughs> fan. <laughs> I think we've all got like a. a, a... Good amount of time for Stoffel Van Dorn. Like,、mm-hmm. I, I always rated him when he was in Formula、yeah. One. It was always a shame to see him leave the grid so soon and so early. Like, it, but I think, like, on the we, we've sort of like half disagreed about this, like, us guys, I think. But I, I don't, I still don't believe that Formula E's are quite there yet to be a legitimate path into Formula One. I think if you're going into Formula One, you need to be doing more sort of regular circuit racing than you are street circuits. Because the speeds are just、yeah. so much higher.、Mm. Like these Formula E cars are no quicker than an F2 car. So, And it, well, you know, it, am I wrong there? Is that, is that no, am I being I misguided? or? I think it's kind of fair. Like you see the other way as well. Like how many times have we seen Formula E, Formula One drivers move to Formula E and like really struggle? And I know obviously.、Yeah. Giovinazzi had. There are a lot of reasons for his struggles, but like they're just very, very different formulas. You know, it's like it's not that different to like saying, oh, well, he was like world touring car champion, so let's get him an F1 drive. Like they're very, very different.、Uh, Paul de Resta would beg、yeah. to differ that those skills are not transferable, Chris. <laughs> All right. Nah, well,、um, I just think,、uh, well, on, on that, like, I think a, a world endurance racing car, a, a, a WEC prototype is a much more comfortable environment than a Formula One car、true. is because yeah, the suspension setups are totally different. And, like, you know, it's a closed cockpit.、Yeah. It's a way, way, way more comfortable environment because they're designed to go long distances. And in order to make it as easy as possible for the driver, To go that long distance, they have to be relatively comfortable in that car. Whereas an F1 race is just it's a sprint racing car.、Really. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter how comfortable the driver is because they're not going to be in there for more than two hours. So they can make it as uncomfortable as they like. <laughs> But an F, you know, a world endurance car, they might be in that car for 24 hours. Yeah. Or, well, yeah. Obviously, they're not going to be one driver isn't. <laughs> But they're doing long, long stints. Many hours.、Like、four hour stints sometimes, more than that. And. Yeah, they, those cars need to become so. Though, yes, you know, race drivers are race drivers. They know a racing line, they know braking points, they know turning points, they know how to drive a car fast. But definitely, like, I think the experience of driving an F2 car along all the similar circuits to F1 and then going straight to F1 is a much, much, much better path than going away, doing WC, doing、uh, touring cars, doing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Formula E doing whatever. So,、uh, yeah, I'm still not convinced that this path from Formula E into Formula One is necessarily like legit. I don't think it's quite a thing yet. I think the fact that Nick is. Be, if it does happen, basically, I'd be very interested to see how it pans out because he's been way off Stoffel performance wise this season, as you know, pointed out by the question. Um, and I don't know if that's that he's essentially had one eye on this F1 seat all season, and it's, and you know, what's been going on in FE's kind of gone a bit by the wayside because of all this 
speculation and trying to seal contracts with Williams and whatever it might be. And he's a bit of a, uh, well, I'm leaving anyway kind of attitude. And if that if that was the case, not really a fan. And if it's that he was just genuinely that far off Stoffel, he doesn't deserve an F1 seat like Stoffel would. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I, like there's a, there's a no win situation I, for me, unfortunately. In that, like as much as I would have liked to have seen him getting F1 originally back after his F2 days and like be around F1 then. The last season of Formula E, the most recent season, has been a bit of a smudge on his, you know, previously really good record for me. Like obviously his time in F two, winning in F E and so on. He's been yeah. just this season's been a bit of a smudge for me on Nick DeFries. And it's a it's a shame that it's put that sort of mind I I'm I'm sure I can't be the only one that sort of thinks like that when they look at it. But no, I'm yeah, I'm kind of with you, but at the same, I think still Formula E is like a bit too much of a lottery for you to really know exactly. Mm. Like if you look at the the consistency, like like really like there's not really many drivers in in Formula E that's that are super super consistent because of the nature of Formula E racing, because there's lots of incidents, because they're street circuits, because like mistakes happen and they cost you literally your entire race weekend, then. It's it's really difficult. It's it's so difficult for them to build seasons that you just can't. I don't think you can really truly ever judge a driver fully, even though yeah. Stoffel's done really. You know, Stoffel's done, not to take away from Stoffel's world championship. I think it's a really good thing that. It was, and actually, maybe he's got people on the phone to Alpine <laughs> to, um, maybe. go into Alonso's seats. Um, that's what I'd be doing if I was Stoffel Van Dorn. But. Um, yeah, you know, like, I mean, you know my opinion. I, I don't think it's a, a good enough path. I think really, like, if you're going to... They need more seat time in Formula 1 cars, These or, or, or cars that are closer to Formula 1 cars in order to make this, like, a, a thing. I would be surprised if I see De Vries in a seat. I don't think he'll get a seat next season. I mean, to go, like, back to Van Dorn, like, the, the question, do is he been unfairly left out? I don't think he is, to be honest. Like, not many people get second chances in F1. And yes, it's Unless you're sucks. Nico Or Kevin Magnussen. get a third and a fourth and a fifth chance. Um, but, like, yeah, the fact that the chance he got didn't pan out and a lot of it was circumstantial really sucks. And I think he could have had a much better career in Formula 1. But, realistically, who's going to employ a 30-year-old to drive their car in F1 when there's like a sea of talent already on the grid and in the feeder series like this is you it. know like the feeder series is so stacked already like De Vries you're not, you're as well looking at Formula E drivers De Vries always kind of still gets bundled into like young drivers for a lot of people the guy's 27 he's, he's not, that not young a young anymore, driver is anymore no in no not Formula 1 terms um, anyway God. It's a sad time when we was calling 27-year-olds not young. As someone north of 30, I, I reserve the right to call anyone else <laughs> old. <laughs> if I, I want. mean, but when you've got Verstappen winning a Grand Prix when he's 18, like the the uh, the window has shifted on what counts as an old F1 yeah, driver. Definitely, definitely. Um, I mean, there's, there's a reason like Mercedes have kept him around as a reserve driver all this time. Um, I mean, the one, one time they needed a reserve driver, they didn't put him in the car, but <laughs> that was understandable, I suppose. Um, but yeah, like, and back to what you're saying about DeVries, Tom, like, I can see what you're saying, and I almost get the feeling that DeVries has been driving 
in Formula E the last couple of years, more so because he was driving for a team that has a big old foot in the F1 door, less so than him really loving being a Formula E driver. Yeah, there was a motive there Um, that wasn't like, oh, for me anyway, there was a motive there that was, I want to stay within the Mercedes program, not... I want to be exactly. a Formula E champion. <laughs> like, yeah. But I think, you know, <clears throat> I think if, if De Vries doesn't get this drive in Formula One, then it just, I think it just proves my point that, that Formula E is not ready yet to be supplying F1 with drivers. I mean, yeah, I this think is... end of next season, maybe, but like right now, we're not there yet. I think this is his last chance. If De Vries doesn't get a seat next year, then he's never getting on the F1 grid. Yeah, I'd agree with mm. both sort of angles on that. So in that case, I'm going to read the next uh, one. Uh, Shatner's bassoon is a very unhappy McLaren <laughs> fan. And I'm going to read their comments last question. Um, as a McLaren fan since the 1980 season, it really pains me to see a performance mismatch between the current drivers. And I would have expected someone of Ricardo's experience and salary to be able to surpass what Norris is doing and not bumbling around towards the back of the grid each week and blaming the car when Norris has been able to hold the team up at the moment. Where realistically would Danny Rick actually be comfortable outside of McLaren that there is actually a potential seat? Places like Alpine or Alpha Tauri, for example. Well, really, the only seat for Ricardo that I can see right now is the Alpine seat. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. And it's between him and Stoffel van Dorn. <laughs> thus proving that Formula E that can or cannot provide (laughs) Formula 1 drivers (laughs) Uh, there's no chance he's going to Alpha Tauri no I can't see him being back in the Red Bull program it'd be one thing to go back to Red Bull to go to the Red Bull junior team like and they wouldn't want it there's no way it's never happening no He's not going to AlphaTauri. Where else could he go? Where else is there a seat? I mean, the, the, one of the suggestions was obviously Alpine that we've talked about. Williams is where we've also talked about him potentially being able to go. And the only one that one of the others that's not like contracted yet is the seat alongside Bottas, isn't it? But I don't see why Alpha wouldn't keep Zhou Guan Yu. The only reason that I didn't put in there in our little predictions thing was just because as that was kind of my version of Alonso to Aston Martin. Like I, I had yeah. a feeling that there'd be some move like that that kind of came a bit left field and caused a bit of a mix up. But I thought it'd be somebody going into like Gas. I think mine was Gasly to Alfa Romeo, which was sort of plausible, but unlikely in the same way that originally you'd have thought Alonso to Aston Martin was plausible but unlikely um, so that's the only other place I could see is Alpha and I don't know if he'd I, I mean I don't know what I don't think they'd see any value in that I think it's Alpine or nowhere for him yeah personally yeah I'm, I'm with Chris on that one cool um, the next one is from a person called Max um, and they ask is it likely we'll have the second seat at Alpine filled by the end of the summer break? Mm. I, you, the thing is, if we say <laughs> yeah, if we say yes, it won't happen. If we say no, if we always only say no, it'll happen 
at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning before we put this podcast out? I'm going to stick my neck out. I don't think it will be. I think it, I think they, they've got a bit of time. They've got, you know, they've got the rest of this season. They've got, what, how many months to, we're in August now, September, October, November, December, January, February, March. You've got like seven months there to to weigh up your options and figure out who's going to be the best person to go in that seat. Whether that's Danny Ricardo, whether that's Stoffel Van Dorn, whether that's um, Nick De Vries, whoever that is. I mean, let's see what happens to all these McLaren drivers who yeah. are queuing up for a McLaren Formula 1 seat as well. Some of those might get a bit cheesed off when they realise they're not going to get a seat in Formula 1 and decide to jump ship and go somewhere else and try and, try and clamber over mm. each other to get this uh, Alpine seat. So... I think there's loads and loads of time for them. I don't think they need to rush. I think, in fact, I think it'd be a huge, massive mistake for them to rush and just knee-jerkly chuck, you know, their reserve driver in the seat or whoever into the seat. I think they need to take stock and figure out why this has happened with Alonso, which I'm sure they're hard at work doing. Yeah. And then find some, take their time, find someone who's going to be a really good fit for that team and a good fit with Ocon because Ocon's quite sort of well ingrained in that team at this point. Well, um, towards the end of last week, um, Mohammed uh, Ben Suleiman, the FYA president, tweeted, apropos of nothing, no context, just tweeted, the FIA's driver contract recognition board was set up to deal with contract priority issues between drivers and F1 teams. That's why we rely on their decision to resolve any conflict. Yeah, I was literally about and to point like, out the same thing. <laughs> like, oh, you're just going to drop that out yeah. there, are you? Like, <laughs> That's so cryptic, isn't it? Or not so cryptic. Yeah, like... That's like that's that's literally like the Formula One management equivalent of going, you okay, hun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, it's like we can't acknowledge either side of the argument. We can't acknowledge we're even going to discuss the argument <laughs> at all. We're just going to make a statement that doesn't actually reference anything specific mm-hmm. and just like put it into the ether. Yeah. It's so weird. So weird. based on that, I think it's going to rumble on for a little while. Yeah. I mean, th- that suggests to me that you know, complaints have been lodged with them and have been looked into and, like, there's something bubbling away in the background that, until it's resolved, you probably won't know any details of and even then, you'll know the outcome and that's probably about it. Um, Yeah. So... And, I mean, let's face it, the time for Alpine to rush driver contracts was the time when two of the drivers they wanted were still, like they had the option on them. Yeah, exactly. And they didn't rush then, so there's no yeah. point rushing it now if they don't have to. Exactly. Yeah, the ship's sailed. They just need to yeah. sort of... The ship's already well, in another can't... port. Mm. Yeah, the ship's in another port. They've got to wait for the next ship to come in. That's what they're going to do. A couple of questions actually from Kilowog. Normally we don't have two questions on the same person, but they were both good ones, so I thought we'd <laughs> put them both in. Um, first one, at the halfway mark of the season, what is your biggest surprise and biggest disappointment so far? Ooh. Hmm. Let's just like rattle off one of each each, maybe. The biggest disappointment has got to be Ferrari. Yeah, Ferrari strategy. Yep. And they've got stuff. to be better. Yep. It's an Agreed. easy one. Um biggest surprise. Also no, surprise surprise should I'm have not a, a positive connotation rather than a negative one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um I mean for me that would be how quickly and relatively successfully Mercedes have gotten on top of the issues with the 
Paul Poison and the just how far behind. Like I, mm -hmm. I genuinely thought they'd be approaching a point where they were basically going to start thinking about writing off the season and focus more towards what they were going to be doing for next year and and just rebuild. You know kind of working from the ground up again and, and starting over for next season. But to get to where they are now has been like a positive surprise for me. I didn't expect them to be yeah. where they are now at this point in the season. I think another big surprise this year is not only the fact that Kevin Magnuson is on the grid at all, but how quickly he was just back up to speed like yeah. and the success he had in the especially in the early part of the season i think that's been a really nice surprise mm. i think the the biggest surprise for me is just how successful the cars have been yeah. in terms of like how the new regulations have actually had the desired effect to 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 varying degrees up and down the grid but like for the most part the cars visibly are able to follow each other so much better than they were yeah 12 months ago well not even 12 months ago so I'm very very pleased about that um, and yeah I think the I think the divergence of design as well surprised yeah. me a lot I was I was kind of expecting yeah. to see a lot of cars that look very 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 similar and actually Formula 1 did what well, the Formula 1 teams did what Formula 1 teams do best and that is come up with novel creative ideas for their solutions for how to make a car go fast and they are they've all done it in their own way and some with more success than others but <laughs> they do all it's a it's a really varied looking field of designs and i have a lot of time for that give it a week though and i'll all have copied the aston martin rear wing <laughs> oh they're all gonna have identical rear wings come singapore no <laughs> doubt <about that. laughs> Um, and then second question from Kilwag. Um, you've got to put on your drive to survive from a few seasons ago hat to get this exact reference. Mm -hmm. But if Danny Rick falls into the pool in Monaco and thinks, I've got a championship car under me and that's all I need and doesn't leave Red Bull that year, does he have a World Drivers' Championship? Is he still at Red Bull as Max's number two? I love it as a what-if moment because it changes arcs for Gasly, Albon, Checo, etc. Mm. Oh God, there's a lot of that's a right a old, old uh, multiverse. There's a multiverse situation going there. Um, I think I can't picture a world where he doesn't leave F1 because he, Verstappen was always going to be the the sort of number one boy there, and there was nothing Danny Ricciardo could do. That Danny Ricciardo was just turning into Mark Webber versus Sebastian Vettel. That was so obvious from mm. the outside. <laughs> so it must have been glaringly obvious from the inside. Um, if he had stayed, I can't. I actually genuinely can't see him beating Verstappen anyway. So I think it would have been more of it would have been a prolonged sort of it would have been basically it would have been where he is now, but in a Red Bull. I would say that. Mm, I kind of agree with you. I, I struggle to see a world where Verstappen is still at Red Bull and anyone other than Verstappen is winning a world title with them. Yeah, I think for me it would be quite feasible for him to still be there had he decided to renew the contract on the, whatever terms they were willing to give him. And I could have easily seen him picking up plenty more wins than he's already got since then because he would have naturally been able to in that car. Mm -hmm. um, but it would have definitely 100% turned into Weber Vettel 2.0 um, where the team would always favour Verstappen and yeah. he would come out second best in those like 
in those decisions or, or however you want to factor it. Like, and I think that, I mean, Weber maybe got the brunt of that because he wasn't a like a, a proper Red Bull driver in quote marks because he kind of came into the team through the team that they bought to create the Red Bull team, didn't he? Like he was with Jaguar at the time and when it turned into Red Bull. So he was like kind of an inherited driver, so to speak. But even if he'd not been, I think he would have always fallen number two to Vettel because the Red Bull-Vettel relationship is eerily similar to the Verstappen-Red Bull relationship in the young driver, mm-hmm. want to break some young, youngest this, youngest that kind of records and, you know, most wins before this age. Like, there's, there's definitely a, a path. That's what Red Bull see themselves doing is being, we have the youngest driver to ever do these things, whether it's, you know, Vettel's old records or Verstappen's new ones. Um, yeah. And that that's their mindset and that's what they'll always do. They'll always be looking for the next driver to do that. So I think Ricardo could have definitely survived until now at Red Bull. But he would have definitely had to reside himself to be in a number two driver if he was going to do it. Yeah, and again, that, that just would never happen, would it? So uh, he's not the kind. He's not the kind of person that wants to do that. No, like some some drivers out there are happy to do it just to have the opportunity to be in that car and that team. Like, I mean, in no disrespect to the likes of you know David Coulthard, Rubens Barrichello, and so on. But, well, yeah, Perez is a prime example. Like he sees that as yeah. an opportunity to be. I can be in a leading team, win races, and like contribute towards world championships. And I don't think he goes into that going, "I'm going to Red Bull because I'm going to win a world championship." He goes there for the potential to rack up some wins and some podiums and be like part of constructors' championships and yes, win championships, but not necessarily like drivers' championships. And I think. There must be an inkling yeah, oh, for yeah, him. When he goes to that seat, there must be like, oh, maybe. There's, though, there's always going to be like an inkling of, you know, <laughs> if if Verstappen, I don't know, heaven forbid, like is injured Michael Schumacher style, you know, when Schumacher I was literally broke, just thinking of you know, broke his leg and didn't, didn't finish the season and Eddie Irvine then got that chance. Like, yeah, Perez yeah. is ultimately like number one driver in that scenario, realistically, and that's what, that's what happens. But... It's the chances of it are obviously slim, and it's something that nobody hopes for ever. Like even the number two driver doesn't exactly. hope that that happens. So you don't like to see anyone missing races, no. do you? So and um, to, to be honest, to go like even further down the uh, the multiverse rabbit hole, like had um, Ricardo stayed at Red Bull. Verstappen might not even have won one world title at this point. Like, true. Red Bull came very close to throwing world titles away when Weber and Vettel were too busy taking chunks out of each other to watch what Alonso and the McLarens were doing. You know, I I I can't see Ricardo playing as much of a support role in Verstappen's championship year as Perez did. So yeah, that's a, that's a lot of years of like intense rivalry leading up that to, is leading up to last years, year. Yeah. Though. So I don't, I just don't think he would, uh, he'd never stay that long. I don't think he would have what, ever it would have been, I think it It's been... four seasons now. He's done, he, he did two at Renault and he's now done two at McLaren, right? Yeah. So it'd have been four years. Yeah. That. 
But it's an interesting question because I do find that whole thing weird. Like it's it's amazing at Red Bull how people can go from being the golden child to being like just nobody mm. as soon as like the next hot thing comes comes along kind of thing. Like you saw the way they like they they rushed Verstappen through, and mm-hmm. probably like that first season, yeah, he won his first race in Red Bull in Spain, thanks largely to the fact that the Mercedes took each other out of the race. <laughs> but in 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 the real world, I don't think he was maybe, I think he probably could have done with another, a little bit more time in the, uh, in the Toro. So just to, just to get his head in the game and calm him down to make him realize the etiquette of, of a formula one driver, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the only reason he was rushed into F1 when he was, was because if Red Bull didn't promote him, then um, he could go away and talk to Mercedes and Ferrari. Yeah. So that's the only reason he got an F1C as soon as he did. Um, but yeah, like the the fact that he was then just in a front running team by year two is wild, crazy, absolutely mental, isn't it? But I mean, you know, he's made the most of it, so you can't fault him. Yeah, yeah. history has proven them right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Imposter Nick here says, as much as everyone wants Oscar Piastri on the grid, do you think it's smart for McLaren to have made the announcement or pending announcement before seeing how Ricardo will actually finish this season? I guess the reverse of that is, is there anything Ricardo can do for the rest of this season to prove he should keep that seat, I suppose? Because the first half of the season, I don't think he has done enough. I know many people disagree with that. Like, what will it t- what would it take in the remainder of this year to prove he deserves that seat? I guess beating Norris most weeks would be the measure for him. And I think even then it's kind of touch and go now. Possibly too little too late. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think as he's been he's been with McLaren for what, a season and a half now. Like that's long enough that the team know what he's capable of, the team know where he's falling down, and they can see, you know, where he's improving and where he's not. So I think McLaren know what they're doing with this decision they have to make. Yeah, I think like a lot of it probably comes from they know on the inside that the direction that the car's going and the team's going probably doesn't match the direction that Ricardo well, needs it to go. Yeah, and yeah. the way Norris is performing, you'd be crazy to change the philosophy to suit the driver that's not performing right now. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tom? I've, I don't disagree with anything that's already been said, to be fair. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've got anything to add to it, to be honest. Okay, I'll do the next one then. A um, couple from Jeff S. Um, he says, this is hard to say this year. Here it goes. When Max outright smashes the World Drivers <laughs> Championship this year, do you think the Hamilton fans will finally shut up and acknowledge that Max is a world champion? He says, tongue-in-cheek, just a little bit. But in reality, will they? Uh, and he also asks, do you think Max will surpass Michael Schumacher's record of 13 wins in the season this year? And then in 2026, will Charles su- surpass Max? Oh, my God. Um, you don't have to say the second question. Well, well we just did. Um, who wants to answer that one first? So, like, obviously, the Hamilton fans thing is very tongue-in-cheek. And for the sort of people who spout those opinions on the internet, nothing's ever good enough. But I will say... <laughs> 
I think it will be nice for Verstappen to have a second world championship just because like it just means he'll be able to be a world champion for the rest of his life and he won't have to worry about that asterisk that everybody's going to put next to it like whatever you think about what happened last year Max Verstappen deserves to be a world champion that's like indisputable so I think it'll be good for kind of him and his legacy or whatever to have a second title for sure um yeah I th- well you know like a lot of people say this you know so and so deserves to be a world champion you the only way you deserve to be a world champion if you legitimately win a world championship for me but at the same time yes it will be nice i agree with you that in that it will be nice for him to have an actual world championship this season and um <laughs> Him, it'd be indisputable. It needs to be indisputable. Yeah, I yeah. think the only, I would have been quite happy to see Max Verstappen win the world championship last year. Yeah, if only it had been won under proper, you know, legitimate normal. circumstances. Yeah. Let's put normal circumstances. Let's put it this way: if anyone has any complaints, given the given the season so far, providing it continues in the same fashion, and there's obviously no controversies or whatever you want to put them between now and the end of the year mm-hmm. if and when Max Verstappen wins a world championship this year if yeah it's still that's what I, said, I said if Don't I said re- if, if and when so, or if or when whichever way you want to put it rephrase or it or when yeah but, yeah but not and when basically well what I'm getting at is if he ever wins another world championship again regardless of it this year or not the people that still have an issue with him being a world champion full stop will be the kind of people that are never happy and they're the yeah, same kind of people exactly. who whenever Hamilton's current seven championships are mentioned it's oh yeah but Timo Glock gifted him first one it's like grow up exactly yeah yeah grow yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. I mean, yes it's yeah. a very different scenario between you know Glock being on the wrong tire and Hamilton being on the right like yes that scenario is very different to what happened in Abu Dhabi this year but it doesn't it doesn't defeat the point that Hamilton scored more points overall than Felipe Massa in the same way that through like Max Verstappen it ultimately scored more points than Lewis Hamilton and yeah fair but enough but only because Michael Massey made a Terrible decisions. Yeah, but there were terrible decisions made well, all the way through the year. Let's not go down this, this rabbit hole again. This, this is my entire point. Like, if if he can if he can win a title outside of that, and you still have a problem with yeah. the fact that he is a, oh, he is yeah. a great driver and he he has deserved a world championship, you're just being like argumentative for argumentative sake, basically. <laughs> you are welcome <laughs> to the internet. Yeah, like yeah, that's the internet. So, if you are one of those people, just delete me. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, delete just delete you yeah like, this this so, is the point in the podcast where tom just literally disappears <laughs> from the entire page he's, he's, he's been he's been deleted i mean every, everyone <laughs> everyone within our discord knows my gripe with anyone who is ridiculously blinkered no matter who they're blinkered for doesn't matter if you're a blinkered verstappen yeah. fan blinkered hamilton fan blinkered alonso fan like if you are blinkered on the internet and you cannot see any viewpoint except one you're not worth my time anymore so, see you later. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I think, I, but I do think he needs it. He needs he needs the championship this year. I don't think you can call him a true world champion un, until he wins an actual world championship. That's all. I I'm think saying. you can. I absolutely think you can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I fair think, enough. 
This is Chris Evans, not even remotely sitting on the fence. I'm not. I'm, oh, first thing, first I'm time taking ever. your bait. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton did not lose that World Championship in Abu Dhabi. You can point to at least four races in that season where Lewis Hamilton lost the World Championship. Uh, Chris. Yeah, but you could say the same about Verstappen. Chris, the, you know, you know the next... I'm not doing it. You know I'm, not the next time, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not no, having Chris, conversation. Chris, you know the next time somebody puts a review on our uh, podcast page on Apple Podcasts or whatever oh, it's man. called now that says, these guys are such Lewis Hamilton fanboys, I'm going to literally take that snippet of you going, Lewis <laughs> Hamilton did not lose that title in Abu Dhabi. He lost it races and races before that. And I'm just going to send it him and go, you what, mate? God, the number, of, <laughs> the number of people who go, three stars, I like them, but they're very much Hamilton fans. Get a grip. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, 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 definitely, I, I like Lewis Hamilton, but I, I would... Last season, just while we're on the subject, I would just rather have seen last season end fairly. I think whichever way that was round. Like, yeah, exactly. You, what you don't oh, yeah, want that's to the see. difference, isn't and it? This Everyone has always lost. Been, yeah, this has always been my stance on it. Everyone <laughs> lost at the end. Like, it wasn't just, you know, Verstappen lost because he will forever have an asterisk. If he never ever won another, it's, it's unlikely, but if he never won another world championship, then that asterisk would always be next to it. Hamilton lost because he didn't get the world championship that he expected to get and probably all, all things being equal at the end of that race should have had. Um, and then we all lose as fans because we don't talk about what a fantastic race and fantastic season it was up until that point. You know, like, can you remember? We've we've done this to death, but can you remember a better season than last year? Ne- never known a year like it. Yeah, for absolutely amazing season. But we don't worse. talk about that. We don't talk about it. Everyone talks about the last race, and there's just so much more to that season, which actually backs up your point, Chris. Like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right. Se- second part of that question was <laughs> Schumacher's record of 13 wins. So Verstappen's got eight wins this year. Yeah. So he would need f- to win five of the last nine races. Really depends. Possible? Really depends on what changes with the floor rules for Ferrari and Red Bull, yeah. doesn't it? It, it yeah. depends on Big time. the effect of that. I mean, if things remain relatively status quo, then I could see him getting very close and possibly doing it. But it also depends on if, you know, Ferrari pull the finger out and start getting the results that the car is oh, yeah. capable of. Because if, if... I wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs> but I bought a hat, Chris. <laughs> I bought a hat. <laughs> it's too late to get a refund. Yeah, my feeling is that it's gonna that whole thing is gonna bring the the Red Bull and the Ferrari. It's gonna hobble them both equally, but maybe yeah. not as much. Maybe as I was expecting before. I don't know from doing a little bit more research. Um, but Mercedes being a factor is gonna play into Verstappen's hands, and that's gonna make probably that's gonna make it easy well, for him. Yeah, that's the sense. thing, isn't it? If it's a, if it affects Red Bull and Ferrari about the same, it's gonna probably cause Ferrari in there weird state of self-destruction to get eaten up by Mercedes more and then like you say thus yeah. play more into Verstappen's hands I mean it's already happening isn't it they're mm. already getting eaten up by Mercedes yeah. before this this regulations even this 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 I mean, uh, yeah. technical directives even come in so it's just going to happen all the more if anything maybe you know maybe um the Red Bulls get eaten up more. one of the Red Bulls is getting eaten up by the Mercedes now there's only really this last few races only Verstappen had the legs on the Mercedes so yeah yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting second half of the season. Yeah. 
I, but if it, to answer the question, Verstappen, I mean that's all on Verstappen. Verstappen's got as long as the car doesn't get so hobbled that they're regularly getting gobbled up. I think if anyone's going to stop that happening to Verstappen and getting all those wins, it's probably going to be Mercedes. I would say more than Ferrari, more often than Ferrari. I think Ferrari are, they just don't have the strength of strategy on a race weekend to to take it to, to especially to take it to two teams they can't even handle one <laughs> other driver at the moment when, when, as soon as there's a couple more dry cars in the mix they're going to be absolutely screwed yeah so yeah <laughs> also worth noting as well that when Schumacher set that record he did it in an 18 race season which is ridiculous yeah, yeah crazy crazy times yeah. Uh, next from Sarah if Ferrari had been a team without the history and name they have would they have been able to keep drivers like Charles Leclerc while acting like they do um, Sarah also asked best Grand Prix experience or worst and most absurd Grand Prix experience we've had obviously in Grand Prix um, that is an interesting thing isn't it like how much of the, the lure of Ferrari for drivers is just because they are Ferrari like would any other team get away with this kind of nonsense and keep their drivers like yeah yeah i mean the the, the seventy thousand dollars or euros whatever it is extra budget that they get every year probably is that still a, a thing well. does that is that still happening I've, yeah Some, yeah they're still getting I'd, like a a, cons- a, a a heritage team payment i'd have Let to do a quick they, is it like a slow phase out there it, it was definitely down to be changed no. it was definitely down to be changed the the money's um, I'm looking at, at some point. Yeah, it's, worth, it's definitely worth checking. I mean, the the thing is, like, if well, thirty five, thirty five million dollars a year. Yes, yeah, so it's definitely gone down then. Oh, a mere thirty five. It's gone. It's gone down though. In that case, because it was definitely near a seventy. Yeah, it was at one point. It was like, yeah, it was like seventy or eighty yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, I think the thing is, is like, you you've got an argument to say teams like McLaren and teams like. Williams have got the same heritage and stuff as Ferrari to to a certain degree with the championships that they've both won and in retrospect how recent they are like compared to (laughs) Ferrari like you know when Ferrari were last winning championships regularly it was McLaren they were battling with most weekends so Mm -hmm. yeah you know and I think McLaren have people I guess like Alonso turned up and kind of put up with things not being the best for a little while, but then eventually gave up in the same way he did at Ferrari. Um, and I think there is probably an element of that to like get back to winning ways with a team that's got that history. But I also don't think that not winning the titles currently is like a diminishing factor for for a driver like Leclerc like there's a there's sort of a passion element to racing for a team like Ferrari I mean in the same way that like there's a there's a huge pull in when Mercedes came back to the sport as Mercedes like the the big manufacturer teams that make some of the the best road cars in the world and some of the best racing cars in the world so like there's always a pull when it's these big manufacturers like if Porsche come in as a factory team and that happens, that will pull drivers regardless of if they start winning, start off in winning ways or not, because it's the chance to drive 
for a massive yeah. manufacturer team like Porsche. Um, so I think there'll always be an element of that to certain sort of teams and certain brands. But um, so I think like someone like Leclerc would have always gone there if given the opportunity. But mm-hmm. yeah, maybe some of the drivers in the past wouldn't. But I think Sebastian went there like because of history, but not solely for that reason. Like he went there because his idol yeah. Schumacher drove there. It wasn't because they were currently winning and about to start winning. It was more because there was history of them in the sport, I guess. Yeah, he grew up as a Ferrari fan. Like that's the team mm-hmm. he always wanted to drive for. I think that you get the impression that's always something that kind of hangs over Vettel is that like he was never able to make his time at Ferrari work and get a title there. Yeah. I guess that sort of answers the question then because the question is like if they didn't have the history would they keep those people I guess it depends on the background there's a, there's a bit of both like a driver like Sebastian went there because of the history a driver like Charles went there because of the modern brand image I guess that Ferrari has which is what traditionally used to drag drivers to Ferrari isn't it like the scarlet red fast mm. car from Italy so yeah, I mean, for me, it's like the, there's there's sort of three things, isn't there? There's there's history in Formula One teams, there's status in Formula yeah. One teams, and there's form in Formula One teams. And Ferrari have quite good, well, they have good history, um, but probably not great status within Formula One up until maybe this year. Like they they weren't sort of like doing great over the you know for the last few years. They've they've not no. had the best car. Um, wouldn't that be form Mercedes have a, wouldn't that be they've well, not they've not had the well. form Mercedes, they've got status though haven't they because they've won well, championships status, and yeah, they've sorry, always been yeah, there yeah, sorry, so they, they've got the history and they've yeah, got sorry. the status Forgive but me. not the form whereas yeah, Red, Bull, Red Bull is okay. like slightly different isn't it they've got the form they've got the the state the current status but they've not necessarily got the history because they are still a relatively new like they've not been there since the 70s they're not like McLaren they're not like Williams. Like to me, that's the the teams with history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so I would say if you're going to attach like one of those adjectives to any of um, each of the teams, so Red Bull, you'd give form. Yeah. Mercedes, you'd give status, and Ferrari, you would give history. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. I if you're going to do just one of one of breaking that yeah. down to each, that sounds exactly right for me. Put yeah. put it this way: no one wants to be a Red Bull driver right now because they are Red Bull. They want to be a Red Bull driver because they make very, very good racing cars. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas people would want to be Mercedes and Ferrari drivers and so on because of the brand, like, to be in there. Yeah, that that allure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Should we do the next one? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, well, we didn't do the second yeah, question. The other bit. We'll just rattle through. Um, the first thing that came to mind reading that, I've probably said this before, but when we were at the Hungarian Grand Prix a few years ago and I was wearing my... Valtteri Bottas hat and I believe Bottas got pole position on the Saturday and I was queuing for like water or toilet or something yeah. and a large Finnish man also in a Bottas hat just came up to me and just went in my face and then just walked <laughs> off again it's like yep yeah, nice one cool we, we had a moment <laughs> couldn't have happened to a better person than Chris that as well it's like the, the perfect person for that to happen to um, best experience while visiting that's a really tough one. I think like a lot of the ones that I've been to, it's kind of been for work, so it's been quite stressful. Or I've been like, <laughs> it's been with work or, or like the, the tickets are through work. So it's mm. like 
kind of best behavior kind of things. So yeah. I've never really had like a, cr- but I think Hungarian Grand Prix being just ridiculously hot, <laughs> kind of like best, most absurd and worst experience all at the same time. <laughs> I, I think for me, best is probably a tie between being stood next to Jensen Button while he does a live broadcast in the paddock. Was which good. was the year we were at Silverstone because that was just a cool experience to see that happening like in front of me combined with being at that Spain Grand Prix that was Max's first win further into my um, my mission to get all of Team, team yeah. LH to block me on Twitter uh, I was very excited to be <laughs> at Max's first ever win <laughs> that was just a good race so it was entertaining for me uh, and then most absurd or worst is definitely being flooded into Hockenheim and not being able to get out that was ridiculous. That was 2018. Um, but yeah, being not being able to leave the circuit because every single exit was flooded and having to walk up the old circuit into the forest to the second chicane that used to be on there to then loop round the forest to get to the main road to get back to the front exits of the circuit was absurd and not the best experience, but it was fun. In some ways I remember too. you texting us like hours after the race, like, yep, still here. Still in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just got to the front exit and it's been five hours. <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. Uh, next one. Jose says, if you could have any driver on the grid that is currently not even slightly in contention for a seat, who would you pick and why? I would personally choose Juan Manuel Correa or Jamie Chadwick. Wow. Jamie Chadwick's a good one. Sam Bird, why not? Ah, he always came so oh, he always came one. so close. Been involved with Merck, didn't he, for so long? It was a bit like he was sort of involved, like Deresta was in test driver capacity and stuff, wasn't he? Used to be them too. Yeah, and he did a young driver test for them, didn't he? Yeah, he's done a couple of tests and things like um, that. I'm gonna say. Felix Rosenquist, just because I never miss a chance to mention Felix Rosenquist. <laughs> nice. I'd like to see Mitch Evans in a Formula One car. I I used yeah, to think that like, in his like junior Formula days. I was disappointed that he went Formula Bit e. of a one that got away. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. He's, he's he's got a, he's got a Sandberg career written all over him. Mitch Evans has. <laughs> cool. That was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. Next one from Wes. Um, from what I've seen. Zach has been doing a pretty good job of signing new sponsors over the last year or so. Do you think all of the driver shenanigans associated with McLaren will have current sponsors rethinking their agreement and or have an impact on others that may be considering becoming a sponsor? Hmm. It depends sure. if any of them are attached to any drivers. Yeah. Well, right? yeah, this is the thing, isn't it? Like Some sponsors come with drivers and other sponsors are attached to the team and it's a little bit irrespective of which drivers are there, I guess, to a degree. So I think anyone that signed a deal with the team would still sign a deal with the team. And anyone that's coming with Ricardo would leave with Ricardo, for example. I think you only have to look back at Haas at the very beginning of this year to see the lengths it takes for sponsors to actually cut ties with a team. 
yeah. without without opening mm. that whole can of worms, that's the kind of level of things it takes for sponsors to actually start pulling contracts. So I don't think anything McLaren are up to right now is going to yeah. make a whole lot of difference. Yeah. It's like yeah. you were saying last week, Stu, like ultimately, like, yeah, they're getting bad press or whatever, but it doesn't really matter and none of them really care. Like that is just so unimportant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have nothing further really to add to that. I think I agree with both of you. Um, final question then from Kevin Cosgrave. Does anyone know where my GP2 car has gone? I swear it was in the garage yesterday. <laughs> Did you see this on Twitter? Yeah, that's where yes. the questions come from. The guy driving Absolutely his F2 Ferrari or whatever it was down the autobahn. Yeah, it was a Delara GP2 car, but it was painted up as like a mid-90s F1 yeah. Ferrari. yeah. Um, it was in. Where was it? It was happening. Slovenia. I want to say Slovenia or uh, Poland. No, Czech Republic. It, Czech Republic. I saw it listed yeah. as being on the autobahn, but I suppose that could apply to more than one country potentially. So that and is a brave person driving that car on that I know. road. Yeah, the best that's bit not, is that can't have been comfortable. The best bit is, from what I've read, that they've just been told off and said basically, "Please don't do that again." They from what I've read, they haven't actually got like in trouble for taking an actual open wheel race car that's not road legal on the road. They've just been told, please don't do that again. <laughs> I think it didn't help that from what I've read, like the police were like trying to get information and most people were just like, Yeah, no idea, sorry. Know what you're talking about. Apparently it's not the first time I've done it either. Like they've been seen just driving this GP two car on the roads, like a few times it's over. Crazy, man. Wow. Absolutely crazy. Maybe I, he was off to a track day and like couldn't be bothered hiring a trailer. So yeah. I just drive it there. Maybe. I genuinely thought it was fake at first when I first saw it because I just thought like, I, yeah, just, me too. I just assumed that somebody had like after effects the footage of an F two car into the the empty space that was there. And then I saw all the reports of like actual, you know, police involvement. I was like, oh maybe maybe it was legit. <laughs> so <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Well, I think that rounds us off for this week, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. We've somehow got there. We've, yeah. we've somehow made an so... episode's worth of content out of nothing. <laughs> well done us and you lot for sending us questions. Um yes, thank and you. And for staying with us. And yeah, and for persevering through it all. Well done. Point kudos points <laughs> to all of you. Um but yeah, that is it for this week. So next week we actually get to preview a race again, don't we? We're looking forward to Spa what? next week. So yeah, that that will actually have race based content in it to some degree. And no doubt Excellent. Tomorrow morning as we're like editing and putting this episode out, I'm sure some news will break that makes the contract talk we have had redundant. So we'll have that to cover more than likely. Um but yeah, in the meantime, if you would like to get in touch with us, we are on all the socials. Just find us back of the grid F1, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can email us hello at backofthegrid.com and you can also head to the back of the grid website where there's a contact us form. And you if you've not already registered in the past, you can get on there and register for Predictions League. And you can also join our lovely sponsors, Grid Rival, and our fantasy league that is on there. All the links are on our website. So head over there if you'd like to get involved with any of that in the meantime. Um, yeah that is it for this week so we'll be back next week to preview Spa as I said before until then have a good one goodbye everyone bye bye